Good morning, friends. This is going to be officially episode one of On the Clock. I am the guy talking to you. My name is Alan. And hopefully I can uh, entertain you for the next period of time, however long this winds up being. It's 8.38 on a cold-ass, cold-ass Monday morning. I've got... I've purchased two of those Monster Java coffees, specifically the Loca Mocha flavor, which is my second favorite. I strongly prefer the sea salt, but the gas station right down the road has been out of those for like two fucking months. Because I started buying them and then they started being out of them. There's definitely been injustice. Let's see, this is only episode one. There's still uh, plenty more for you guys to learn about me. One of the things about me is I live in Cincinnati, called Cincinnati or Queen City, but I'm out here living. I don't live in the city, I live downtown is only less than an hour away. I think the name Cincinnati comes from uh, this Roman guy named Cincinnatus. (laughs) It sounds like a disease. Cincinnatus, the STD. Cincinnatus, I don't know. I don't know pr- pronunciations of Roman words or names. It's really not a bad city. There's a mountain that overlooks the city. It's a good place to walk around. You see, Ohio's got its river, which don't you dare ever go swimming in that river unless you want to come out with six eyeballs. Pollution! But check this out. In 1937, the Ohio River flooded. The damage stretched from Pittsburgh to Cario, Illinois. 400 people died. Well, I shouldn't round up. 385 people died. And 1 million were left homeless. With uh, homeless and property losses reached $500 million. Or with uh, adjusted inflation, $8.723 billion from one flood. That is nuts. 6 to 12 inches of rain fell in Ohio, January 13th through 25th in 1937. That flood made January the wettest month in Cincinnati. God damn. The flood was 80 feet deep. That's brutal. Because that, that, that river does flood every now and then. The bridges that go over it, the supports for the bridges have little uh, like measurements on them now. I'm assuming they did that pretty shortly after uh, everyone fucking died. And a uh, new thing they did after that flood is they uh, constructed the Kentucky Dam. Ooh. But yeah, Cincinnati. One thing we got that not a lot of other places have, while it's not downtown Cincinnati, it's like 30 minutes away from it, we got Kings Island. Kings Island's a big-ass amusement park owned by Cedar Fair. Well, I, I practically... Uh, Grew, grew up there when I was in my younger uh, when I was turning from single, single digit age to double digit age there was a summer me and me and my buddy Zach went there literally every weekend we've ridden all the rides a thousand and five times attached to this amusement park with uh, big roller coasters and whatnot. It's a big ass water park which it's kind of sad how uh, that water, the water park at Kings Island, put the beach water park. It was a separate thing. It was, it was like 15 minutes 
from Kings Island. And they were they just wanted to be their own water park. They Hi, we're the beach water park. Don't hurt us. And Kings Island was like, no. Kings Island just just built a bigger, better water park. The beach water park suffered and now they're uh they are closed down. They're turning into I can't remember what they're turning into. I'm I'm actually I'm I'm bored of Kings Island at this point. I don't like to go back there anymore. They've gotten enough money from me. You you go in there. You guys know what Skyline Skyline Chili is? No, it's a local thing. Skyline Chili is a uh, restaurant. Skyline Chili is uh, apparently a Cincinnatians like pasta with uh, chili sauce and cheese on it. That's what I bleed. Nor as if as if Skyline wasn't expensive enough. You try to you try to buy a coney. A coney is like a little uh, it's like a five inch hot dog. You know what a coney is, but I'm explaining Skyline's conies. Five-inch hot dog with like a half a pound of cheese on it. Normally, when you go somewhere, you uh, if you bought five conies, you'd pay like seven, seven bucks maybe. But if you went to Kings Island and said one coney, please, you're looking at six fucking dollars for one. One. You can, you can definitely. A hundred percent get by without uh, buying their big ass thirty dollar cups that are refillable with, uh, you know, good for you soda. You spend thirty bucks, you get a big ass cup. You just uh, you just take it to a stand and they refill it. Or you could just bring fucking water. Just bring water. It's open in the summertime. It's hot in the summertime. You need to hydrate in the summertime. Get some water. And they have a, they have a, like a, oh, it's a fest house. That's what it's called. But it's like, it's, a, it's like fest house, the German word. <clears throat> uh, I got like a Panda Express on there and other shit. But you could easily, <clears throat> if you didn't want to pay 20 bucks per person to eat, you, uh, you're definitely allowed to uh, leave the park. At a certain time, at a, there's a certain point where you can't leave the park and come back. But if it's early enough in the day, you leave a park, they'll give you like a a hand stamp. They'll stamp like a Charlie Brown or something on you, and then you can just come back and you can, you could go out and get food for a reasonable price. You go out, get food, come back, and then just uh, walk around more. See if I had a favorite ride at Kings Island. For some reason, I always feel the need to hit uh, Delirium first. Delirium is one of those pendulum rides where, uh, you know, uh, it's got these four legs that kind of slant out in the middle. It's got a, think of a grandfather clock, how you got that big thing just swinging left to right, except Delirium spins. I'd I'd say it goes at like a 110 degree angle from, from straight from the ground. That's what it feels like. The Diamondback roller coaster is always fun. It's actually a lot of fun. It's fun to sit in the back of it. And then when the first like two cars start going over the hill, the momentum just pulls you forward. And you come out of your seat a little bit. And Kings Island released, uh, they just constructed a new roller coaster that I probably should have thought about the name before I started talking about it. The new roller coaster is... 
it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, I don't know. I haven't heard that much about it because they, they built it all this year during COVID and now they can't really open. I, I really can't tell if Kings Island's been open during COVID or not. It, it probably has. <clears throat> Everyone's probably fucking mask flying off. Well, the second newest coaster they built that I can remember the name of is called Banshee. It's a hanging, it's a, it's a hanging roller coaster. Your, your legs hang freely and it's a hanging car you sit in. That one, the roller coaster makes you feel like you're always about to hit a pole and just die. Oh no. June 10th, 1991. This is about Kings Island. Two men were apparently electrocuted in a pond at an amusement park, and a woman fell to her death from a ride. Three men apparently suffered an electrical shock Sunday near the German beer garden area of Kings Island amusement park. Yeah, so yeah, I think that was at a... I, why did they fall into the... When you first walk in, there's... Uh, it's, like, it's like a grand entrance, man. They have a, a replica... Eiffel Tower kind of th- kind of deal. You walk in, there's this big, big beautiful pond in front of you. They got fountains in it, and then it leads up to the uh, Eiffel Tower. Me and my friends used to go. We definitely used to go and fuck up some Kings Island back in the day. But none of us never uh, died or got electrocuted. Silly goose. Can't go swimming in the pond. I know that there's definitely, like, at the top of that Eiffel Tower thing, there's a, I feel like it should have always been like this, but there's, you know, they built like a giant ass cage around it. So you can't commit suicide. One of my friends did almost die on a ride at Kings Island. The ride's called Vortex. It's one of those rides that has, it has like loops in it and it's got twists in it. And then, when we were going up the first hill, you know, you got that suspenseful, that suspense-filled first hill, like, oh boy, get ready, get ready, here it goes, it's about to happen, ah, uh, get ready, and then, right when we were getting to that get ready part, all of a sudden, my buddy's harness just pops up, they still got the seatbelt on, but like, uh, if, I, I don't know if it's like a hydraulic system or something, but that just, uh, it decided to stop working on them. So he had to, he had to grab the uh, the hollow inside of the seat right between his legs. He had to grab that, squeeze the sh- he squeezed his harness for dear life and pulled it down toward him. So the whole ride for him was probably a un- unpleasurable experience in and out through and through, hundred percent zero. But that's what you get when you risk your life. Every time you get on a roller coaster, you're risking your life. Something could go wrong. Something can always go wrong. There's always room for a fatal error, you know. Just one little slip up. Just just one slip. Now, during the Halloween season, Kings Island, you know, they still want to rake in that money. So they open a, what they call Halloween haunt. They employ 500 people who would, are interested in scaring innocent people. I was one of the people. I was very interested in scaring people. For a job? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, I gotta scream, I get to scream at people. 
Think about all the uh, all the days in customer service, all the things you couldn't. See. You can put it in a single loud yell, and you aim it right at these people, and they go, "Oh my God, you got me!" Oh, I'm so scared. There's one group that came through when I was in. Uh, every attraction was called a maze. I was part of a maze called Corn Stalkers, which, in my opinion, had the worst uh, costumes and makeup. <laughs> There was no, there was hardly any blood involved. You, uh, your outfit, your costume is, uh, you look like a sack of potatoes. You're a burlap sack. And what I did, what they do is they, uh, they kind of, the first day they walk the whole maze with you, with everyone. And then they say, uh, all right, we'll put you in this area. They, that allows you to get, they don't tell you what to do in the area unless it's like a scripted, like, uh, we had a scarecrow that this this guy was hooked up to bungee cords and his job was to just jump out at you. <laughs> jump out at you and the cords pull him back. That I didn't get that role. My role was to, uh, I found a spot in a corner that was pretty dark. It was right before a, uh, this little, uh, it was like a little bridge and it had a, a roof over it. It was like a wooden shacky shanty looking bridge. And there was a light that came out of it. And that uh, completely, completely made me disappear in the darkness. And then, there's one group that came through. They didn't see me, and I could tell because everyone in the group fell down. Everyone in the group physically was off their feet on the ground. A few of these guys landed on a girl and busted her lip. This actually happened. And I kind of broke character, which is... I'm allowed to break character and ask, are you okay? Because this guy freaked out and threw his arm and his elbow caught your lip. I was a little concerned. <laughs> I worked at Haunt for two years. And I didn't get corn stalkers twice, which is alright with me. You know, I thought I'd, I thought I'd be happier with the uh, complicated latex makeup. That was wrong. Because uh, I didn't... I never got around to uh, just keeping my face clean shaven which would have been a great idea because when that latex gets in your facial hair and you got to take it off after it's been on you for like uh, six hours and you got to take it off at the end of the night oh the pain it's like waxing your face every weekend but the second maze I worked in was a uh, it was a hospital themed one it was called urgent scare and that was one where they really pelted my face with uh, blood and latex and little, uh, little like boil bubble looking things. It was like a piece of plastic or whatever. And then they would stick it on your face with latex and glue and stuff. But it was a hospital themed one. I liked, I liked working on that one better. The downside was only the makeup. I found it, I found a good, I was pretty satisfied with my spot there that I stayed in mostly. So you, you, you're walking and everything's narrow in there. Everything's really tight packed. You're walking, you see a dead end ahead and you see a shelf on your right, but you gotta go past the shelf, hook a right, and you just gotta make like a Z-shaped zigzag through the area I was in. It, the one downside about my spot was after I scared you, you just kind of had to walk past me, which works for <laughs> like young children in the 
the teen girls. I would reach through that shelf at you when I saw your shadow in just the right spot, and the only thing you would see is my hand in front of your face. I never, I never hit no one. You know, I was careful. It was tactical. Tactical scares. I didn't, uh, no one was injured from my scares that, that year. They did try to move me. They tried to move me to a spot where I had the, the whole room to myself. Um, I had this little uh, animatronic thing where uh, this corpse has a snake looking thing, like a snake alien that pops out. And I, would, I tried to play off that, but it wasn't, it felt weird. I tried to do like, a, oh no, is she gonna be okay? Look out. But when I got tired of putting that much energy into no, it wasn't getting very good reactions. So the only thing else I could do is just hide in a, behind this curtain they had in the room. So it kind of made like a, a pinch point. They would, uh, they'd see the body on the table. And then evidently they saw my feet a lot. They'd come through. We see your feet. Oh, he's going to jump out. He's going to jump out. Oh, there he is. <laughs> they like to tell you when you're, when they're not scared. It, it, it is? Okay. Alright. So all you people, all you people who like to go through every Halloween season, you like to go through and not really, uh, be the guest that you should be when you go through and you're, uh, when you taunt all the people who just, you know, they're trying to make, it doesn't pay a lot. No, not at all. It doesn't pay a lot. But we're, uh, we're trashing. We are thrashing our throats. You got to consume Jolly Ranchers all night long. And water. So much water. It's so... You wouldn't believe how tiring it is. I had to... When I worked at Cornstalkers, I would hide a, uh, a whole gallon of water underneath my fucking burlap sack. It would stay in my corner with me and I would have it more than more than half gone there'd be about a quarter of it left and one thing i just thought of that i remembered at the start of both if you do not stretch you will regret the shit out of it both seasons on the first day you work you're gonna say man i'm, I'm gonna stretch tomorrow definitely because you sit still and then you move and then you sit still and then you move that's how it was at cornstalkers because i was constantly uh, crouching I had, to, I had to crouch and hide in my corner. Would I work there again? Yeah. Yeah, I'd, if I worked there again, it'd be the final time. But they make you, they make you audition. And by audition, I mean they, uh, they just kind of ask, can you do a scream for me? And so I just have to let out this, this Viking scream in this quiet office. And they make you do a laugh. They make you do a weird laugh, all sorts of stuff. But I would, I would work there again one last time. Cause I know, I know I'd hate it at some point, and I'd say I'm never doing this again. But I would make extra money, some extra bucks. If it's not the worst, one of the worst things about Kings Island are the lines. It's absolutely insane. You could get into three different BMVs before you got in line for one one King's Island ride. But enough about uh, old King's Island.
you need a vacation spot and you're close by, close by to Cincinnati, Ohio, and you haven't been, give it a try. This podcast is sponsored by Kings Island. Just kidding. I'm, I don't have, I'm not doing any sponsors yet because I fucking, I don't have an audience yet, but I've had listeners. Well, I'm really anxious to find out what they think of me. Ooh! I gotta set up a place you can... So you guys can leave reviews. Tell me if I should just fucking shut my mouth and delete this, or if you guys want to hear more. It's... I've never... I've never even listened to solo podcasts. I The podcasts I listen to always have... At least two people. The one with at least two people that I listen to is Super Mega Cast, but even then they have they have guests occasionally. I listen other podcasts I listen to. Now I want to do this. I want to. Uh, if I had a thousand people listen to this episode, I would want all thousand of those people to go over to another podcast called Greetings Adventures. Now, before you type that in, don't type in Greetings Adventures unless you like a little D&D. Even if you don't like D&D, or if, if you're not sure what D&D is, it's Dungeons and Dragons. But when you go over to Greetings Adventurers, you're going to look at their episodes and see that they have, uh, they are getting close to 400 episodes now. They've only been on one campaign that's lasted, <clears throat> at this point, eight or nine years. They've been doing this for a long time. Such a long time. And their DM, Michael Tomorrow. I love that guy. I love Michael Tomorrow. He's a great DM. He's got the perfect, he's, he's a good voice. He's good on your ears. And Tim's a big baby. Everybody loves him. Michael Bachman's going to be the one to give you the uh, the ha-has and the hee-hees. He's funny. He's, he's really funny. Uh, Jennifer, she's good for really bad roles. But she's smart. And Nika. Nika was a... Uh, she wasn't originally on there. She was she was a fan that they let on the podcast. as Because they... Uh, <laughs> They had another, they had a, a fourth person with them, but, uh, seemed like he wasn't on track with everyone else on how serious, on how seriously they were taking the, the game. As a D&D player, Nika's really smart and really, uh, aware of the rules. She's really creative. But this campaign, they've had, uh. I'm not going to... There's so much I want to spoil. Uh, When I started listening to them, they had like 286 episodes out. So I'm not... Sadly, I'm not what they call a OG slabber. But I I feel like one. I've read so much of their shit. I've been to their wiki. Definitely a fan. I've recommended this podcast to so many people, but no one listens to it. 
Okay, they have a fan base, no doubt. <clears throat> they have a Patreon you can go subscribe to. They they do a, they do a lot more than just this one podcast. They do more than this one D and D campaign. But if you're listening to this, <laughs> if you're listening to this and it's only been out for uh, maybe a month, then you can definitely tolerate an unpolished podcast. And you can definitely tolerate these guys episode one. It is on track a whole lot better than my ass. <laughs> but I have I have listened to uh I I might be I they might have released two episodes now that I haven't listened to, but but I banged out. I just like to get the word out about them because they're not where they should be. They should feel the reward they deserve for how much work they put into this podcast. This, this, this podcast alone, they do so much more. It's such a, such a consumption of time behind doing this podcast, doing that podcast. Uh, they have, they have several podcasts under their name, Geekly Inc. Just go check them out. All right, so you go to the store, you walk in the grocery store and you, uh, you see some milk. You realize you need the milk. You grab the milk, you take that milk, you carry the milk, you hold the milk, you have the milk, you walk with the milk. Milk is there, milk is with you. The story is not about milk. But you, you, go to, you go to pay for this milk, right? You, you, just, you just want milk. You, someone drank all the milk, but you're really trying to smash some Oreos right now. You and your, you and your first world life. So you grab the milk. You scan the milk. You tell this person, I am going to pay for this milk. And the cashier pulls up a prompt that says, Would you like to donate a dollar for the dying kids in Africa? It's only a dollar. Don't let them starve. It's only a dollar. Don't let them starve. And you feel bad. Because honestly, like, yeah, I hope stuff gets better. But my, 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 my fucking dollar, my four quarters, my one sheet of paper with a one on it, it's not going to save your life. It's not. Charity guilt is the topic I'm on right now. It's it's like a it's like an emotional trap. Cause you you I've caved and I've donated before, like uh, I haven't done it in a while. Like, but when you click no, <laughs> it, this is how this is how it reads. Your total is two eighty nine. Would you like to save millions of kids' lives? <clears throat> no. Okay, you spoiled bitch. That'll be two eighty nine. Go enjoy your roof. Go enjoy your air conditioning. Go enjoy your clean water. Have a great day. Go enjoy your TV. And these kids will try new bugs off the ground and see if they can get by another day. Have a good day. If I wanted, if I, if I wanted to donate, I would probably seek out a way to donate. I would probably go on the internet and type in, how can I help starving children? 
And well, I'd like to do that. I'd like to actually make an impact. That'd be so nice. If I could go over to Africa, fuck up a check and everyone's better, that'd be, that'd be great. But I can't. But it's only a dollar. Right. I have a dollar. But I need that dollar. I need that dollar in a different way than you need that dollar. You could find a, you could find this dollar growing on some uh, tree, you know, meaning they could find, <laughs> I mean, well, they, they in Africa, they could find a tree that, uh, you know, theoretically grows dollars. Maybe it grows a uh, apple colored dollars. Maybe it just grows something edible. But I only got one dollar. I mean, there's been bits on this exact topic before, donating. Donating to charity, being a good person. Yeah, I don't entirely believe it goes to charity. Like, if I... <laughs> I look at the cashier and I say, you make sure this dollar gets to these kids. Can he guarantee that? He's like, yes, sir, I see the dollar go from... I see the dollar uh, go in this register... Well, no, it's, I see this dollar go in this register. I see this dollar get on the plane. I see it fly across the ocean. I see it land in this little boy's hand. If you could tell me that, I'd probably donate more often. But you can't because uh, it's, it's an electronic dollar because I am paying with a piece of plastic. I really need to carry more cash around. I mean, how, how often do you donate? Is it, you, you know, you, uh, you're not, you're not too broke. You can, uh, you can lose a dollar. Oh, well, if you're going to lose it. You might as well, uh, quote, donate it. Right. Do you do it every time you're asked? When do you, when do you turn it down? How much, what's the most you've just spontaneously, like walking through the store. I don't really expect to donate anything today. And then, and then, oh shit, you want to donate? Yeah, I'll donate. How much? How much do you donate? I know some, uh, some places like to uh, reward you for donating. They, they got a little hall of fame where they uh, cut out a fucking paper heart, slap some tape on it, slap your name on it, and just slap it on a wall. And the more you pay, the more uh, maybe your heart is bigger. Get it? Because you know us people who are doing what we can to get by, maybe could only afford to chip a dollar. You get the tiny heart. You get the you get the heart at the bottom that says, "I cared a little." But if you donate fifteen dollars, orchestra, parade, the town mayor fucking writes your name and slaps it on the wall, and everyone sees it. Stupid. So get this, you walk into a restaurant, you open the menu, and when you uh, notice the size of this menu, I'll describe it, the size of this menu has got uh, 11 pages, four of them are for fucking soup, they got uh, 
two types of burgers. One's a veggie burger, one's just a regular ass cheeseburger. Uh, they do steaks, they do seafood. You got a lot of options. Why, why is it so hard to pick sometimes? Unless, unless it's somewhere you've been regularly, you know what you can get. Like uh, every time I go to the Cheesecake Factory, I get the macaroni and cheeseburger. Just so awful. I mean, it's good, but it's awful for you. But we don't go to Cheesecake Factory that often. But when I do, that's what I get. Unless it's somewhere you go regularly, you know, you can't, uh, you can't say to the waiter the usual somewhere you've never been. Why is it so hard to pick? what to eat the more options you have the, the less interested your brain is there's a study I read where uh, people's brains had a big difference in uh, when someone's someone was presented with uh, 24 choices and when someone's brain was presented with 12 choices when there was 12 choices their brains were more active because it could uh it could, it could carry more, it could hold more, it could think about more. Maybe it still totally excluded like two items and it really only thought about 10 of them. But the point is the less options, the more your brain can focus. Imagine, um, pick your favorite color between red, blue, yellow and green you could probably pick one of those easily you probably have a fit you probably already said your favorite answer over me just fucking not talking red yellow blue or green i pick red all right red now what if i told you pick between red sunset red uh orange orange uh, magenta, maroon, uh, cyan, space blue, aqua, taupe, brown, almond. When there's, when there's more options like that, your brain just gives less of a shit. It's just like, I'm not interested. I just wish you best of luck. No, maybe, maybe, maybe try one of the 30 soups, but less choices are better in a way, you know, you don't, I don't want to go to a restaurant and just be like, what type of bread and what type of soup do you want? It's like, oh, I don't want bread and soup. That's all we have. You're only getting bread and soup. But sir, soup's not going to do it for me. I came here for some meat. I have a cat named Meats. Meats has a uh, bum leg. <clears throat> Her back right leg. It seems... Okay, well, when we got Meats, she, like, in the cage at the pet store, she had a bum leg. She had a limp about her. And when we asked the employees, why does her leg do that? They said, uh... Maybe, maybe she got hit by a car or something, which I don't, I don't think is true because if it, if she got hit by a car, there'd be a lot more damage than that. Maybe she got, st I think, I just thought of this now, maybe 
because she was a stray cat and I think she was out being a stray cat you know being being sweet baby meats and I think I could see this happening she encounters a deer maybe this is just kind of like the biggest asshole deer ever and so this deer does uh, this thing where he rears up and uh, tries to stomp my poor meats to death Meats didn't do anything wrong. Meats is, meats is good. And maybe this deer might have clipped Meats. Right back leg. That sounds more believable than her getting hit by a car. Because she still has control over... The, it's, not, it's not a dead leg. If it was a completely dead, dead leg, I'd have that... You know, then I could justify amp uh, amputating it. But I don't, I can't. It's not in me to take that leg from her yet. Because she still uses it in a way. She still gets function out of it. And while I'd, I've even had a, th uh, I've even had a three-legged dog. And he, he functioned just fine. The power, the power of these animals crank out of these back legs it's ridiculous meats can still jump up on our bed we got it we got a tall bit well it's not as tall as it used to be but it doesn't matter she can still jump up onto the bed she can jump up onto the couch she uses a uh, her claws sometimes our furniture is uh, suffering you know nothing looks the same anymore it's all it's all kind of frayed thanks meats but she still, she still gets around. I can't tell how old Meats is. I'm not a fucking vet. Oh, and back on the... Oh, another thing about her leg. It just didn't... It healed without uh, medical attention. Had, maybe had she had medical attention, her leg would probably be a lot, a lot better. Yeah, so the furniture is a big L. But I still love, I love my Meats. We got two other cats. We got a uh, a toothless, tubus boobus, and a, another cat who can honestly just go away anytime. Opal. She got no love for me. I got no love for her. Why? Why's it got to be this way? Opal's a really pretty cat, though. And toothless is a uh, solid black cat. She's got like, just like four gray hairs on the right side of her body. All in one little, one little patch. So we got Meats was a, uh, Meats was a rescue stray. Um, we rescued Toothless. We, oh, there's so much money invested in Toothless. She had worms. She had, uh. She had something going on with her skin by her neck that was just causing like uh, lesions and open sores. She's had a tapeworm that was a blast to get rid of. And we had to fix her so much. And Opal was, uh, she was just a fresh kitten. You know, we got to pick. These cats have been in our lives for many years now. 
They're just chilling, being kitties. That's going to do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, leave a review. If you didn't, uh, if you didn't enjoy listening to me, uh, I advise you to go listen to someone else. You can find me on Twitter at WSIPod. And right now, you can't really find me anywhere else other than Anchor and uh, Spotify. Thank you. Bye.